everybody to the Cross Point Church Scripture Podcast. Pastor Josiah here, so glad to be with you. Um, we're going to take some scripture, uh, a verse today, and we're going to place it back in its original context and see how that helps us understand it and apply it to our lives. Um, along the way, we'll hopefully um, discuss a few angles about it, ask some questions, and see how we see or if we see Christ in this verse or how the verse might point to Christ. Uh, with the intent of allowing some good hermeneutical principles and things like that to help us um, apply Scripture to our lives and to stay excited, to stay committed to Scripture. Instead of sipping a little bit here and there, um, learning to drink deeply and not be afraid of the Bible. There may be things that we don't understand, and that's okay. But um, we just get into it one step at a time, use good, sound hermeneutical principles, and just see what it'll show us, believing that if it's God's book— He's going to help us and uh, not avoiding parts that are thorny or hard or anything like that. Okay. So uh, in some of the episodes, you guys know, I've put out the call, say, Hey, if there's a verse that you'd like to see uh, talked about or anything like that, why not email me? Why not ask me if you're part of cross point church in St. Louis, Missouri, why not just, you know, be bold, walk right up to me and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And so a gentleman that took me up on that, Aaron Meyer, he's been, um, on a few episodes with us now and he's here today. Aaron, what's happening? Uh, not much. I've just got another question for you. All right. So here to try to trip up the Bible answer, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thankfully, well, never mind. I can't get into all that, but I'm not the Bible answer, man. We're just going to look at context and stuff like that. So, uh, Aaron, go ahead. What, what verse are you bringing today? And then what are you, what are you thinking about it? Matthew 5.32, and it is a section on divorce. Uh, my question about it is that it says, whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And this is in the New Testament, so it's not like something that was fulfilled, um, but it would still apply. And so that would mean that anyone who has been married and is divorced, if they get married again, it is a sin. And that is... I, I've just never heard that. Yeah. Um, I don't quite understand Yeah. how it would apply today. Well, I don't know why. I mean, it's easy. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. So Matthew chapter 5, um, reading from the ESV, Matthew chapter 5, verse 32 says, But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So, you know, foggy, hard to understand, you know, not clear. No, it's one of these parts in the Bible. People say they worry about um, parts in the Bible that they don't understand. And I always tell people it's the parts that I do understand that worry me, <laughs> not the other way around. So first of all, let's try the bigger context. So here at the, um, we call this the Sermon on the Mount. We've done some other episodes on pieces of it. Um, it's probably Jesus' most famous piece of teaching because he goes on for a while and is very clear and seems to be making one point from beginning to end through three chapters, I believe, give or take. And it's like some foundational stuff for his kingdom. Uh, if we go back to what's happening, so first of all, Jesus gets baptized in the river, uh, Jordan by the John the Baptist. And when he comes up out of the water, there's like this coronation or the beginning of his ministry where the Holy Spirit in the form like a dove descends and settles on him. And there's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And it, 
it says immediately after that, Jesus goes out to the desert and Satan himself, not some demon or some temptation, but uh, the devil himself appears to Jesus and gives him these three heavy temptation, you know, kind of the, the big three, you know, uh, be a spiritual superstar. People will worship you. Jesus, no, you shouldn't put the Lord to the, you, you shall not put the Lord to the test. Um, hey, use your powers to turn these rocks into bread and feed yourself. And Jesus, no, it's not, you know, life isn't about bread alone. It's by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, devil, hey, he passes all the glory. I mean, think, I don't know how much we think about this and we can't get sidetracked too much and want to stay on our verse here. But it says that the devil caused all the glory of the kingdoms of earth to pass before him and then said, all these are mine and I give them to who I will. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. And I think for uh, people like me who can find it kind of hard to walk by a donut without doing something <laughs> I'm not supposed to, I think sometimes we'll underestimate those words that what we would do if the devil himself caused all the glory of the human, the kingdoms of this world to pass before us. So anyway, Jesus says, no, he rebukes him. No, you should worship the Lord your God only. It says the devil uh, goes away from him for a more opportune time. He goes from there, he picks his first disciples. He calls these men to follow him. And then with those disciples, he begins in uh, Matthew 4.23. It says that Jesus ministers to great crowds. So that's when he goes out and just begins to heal all the sick, afflicted with various diseases, pains, oppressed by demons, those who have seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, 4 and 25, great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So the way Matthew tells it, you know, this is kind of like the beginning of Jesus' ministry. That's how we bang right into chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and this is verse 1. He sat down to his disciple, and his disciples came to him, verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So then he begins the blessed are you, you know, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. He goes on to 13. To, give, to say, you are the salt of the earth. You guys remember that. If you lose your saltiness, it can't be restored. It's good for nothing. You're the light of the world. If your light is hidden under a basket, it's good for nothing. 16, let your light so shine before men that your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, that they'll see your Father who is in heaven. Verse 17, do not think. Now, we're starting to close in on our context here, I think. Um, Aaron, for your verse, for your question. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. The Bible is very clear about that because the Jewish people were God's chosen people and he called them to himself and he was their Messiah. He was their promised king. He was the one who would sit on the throne of David forever and ever. His first ministry was just to Jewish people. He makes kind of a big deal about that here and there. And so here he's appearing to Jewish people who would understand these following things that he's about ready to say. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish. That means get rid of or set aside the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes from there and he begins this thing, which will this will pull, will dovetail into Aaron's question. He starts on anger. 
says, you've heard that it's said of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So this was like the accepted level of the law here. Jesus takes it from that outward working murder, the result of hatred for somebody, you know, the ultimate result of Mm -hmm. hating someone. And he, in verse 22, he pushes it into the heart where Jesus and the Holy Spirit want to deal. He says, but I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus takes what was just a law for an outward manifestation of evil. You shouldn't murder because you'll be liable to the judgment. And Jesus says, in the kingdom of heaven, your heart is on trial. So you can, it's no more like, well, I didn't murder anybody. Now, I hate everybody I know, but, you know, or I hate this person. And, and so it's okay, but I haven't acted on it. And Jesus kind of takes the first shot at that. Like there's something new here. The law of righteousness is being applied to our hearts. So then he goes on, he fills that out a little bit. He takes next to lust and he does the exact same thing. So now in verse 27, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. The outward manifestation for these people in that day, adultery. You have a wife. You have a husband, but you want to have a sexual relationship with someone other than them, so you carry it out. Adultery. If you get caught doing that, you are liable to the law. Jesus pushes it into the heart where he's always wanted to be. 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of the members of your than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members and that your whole body go into hell. So now we're down to verse 31. And Jesus does the same thing here, okay? So at least we know, you know, at least we know by context, we kind of get the idea of what he's doing. It doesn't answer all of our questions, but it at least kind of puts it back in place. So it was also said, whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. This is a outward manifestation. I'm leaving my wife and give the, give this legal thing. And here's the certificate. So the certificate would say, I am leaving this woman. So she's not married to me anymore and could be married by someone else. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. So you're pushing this lady away from you and you're not clearing yourself. You're not saying, I'm just leaving her, so she's back on the market and that's the way it is. No, you're sinning against her. You're leaving your wife and you are causing sin. So Jesus is pushing this into the heart of what's really going on here. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So Jesus is pushing all these things into the heart. So I would say two things and then I'm open to what you think, Aaron. Uh, And he'll go on too. So he doesn't end there. He goes on to oaths. Uh, People who don't swear by, you guys are probably familiar with some of these. Don't, don't swear by anything. They belong to God. Either let your yes be yes or your no, no. Anything else is from the evil one. So I'll just say two things that I noticed from the context. And then Aaron, I'm interested in what you say. Number one, Jesus is using hard and plain language on purpose. So there's no softening this. 
If you've ever looked after someone with the intent to lust after them, you've committed adultery in your heart. I don't, from what Jesus just said at the beginning, anyone who teaches anyone to relax these is least in the kingdom of heaven. So he's, he's not into that. He's not into abolishing the law. He's pushing it into our hearts and he's saying, there, I am not interested in just the outward manifestations of sin and your law that just controls the outward manifestation to acting out of these sins is not what I'm about. That's what I'm hearing for the whole, this whole part of the um, Sermon on the Mount. So that I guess what I'm hearing when it comes down to divorce is you guys think you've got a little system here that takes care of divorce. If you just do this legal thing and be like, here's the certificate, I'm done with her, you're good. And if I understand right, Jesus is saying, you're not good. You've caused sin and destruction. Divorce causes sin and destruction and sexual immorality. And if you think you found a way out of it, you're wrong. That's what I'm hearing, because that's what I hear him doing with the rest of it. You think you can be angry with people as long as you don't murder them? Wrong. Your heart is filled and polluted with hatred for your brother. And the kingdom of heaven is here, and that's not okay. <laughs> you think you can lust after, look after people as long as you don't touch them? You're good? You're wrong. You're, that's adultery in your heart, and the kingdom of heaven is here, and it's not cool with that. So that's the first part. I mean, And what do you think, Aaron? That's, that's just the first part of what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. All the other ones, I think that definitely applies the, that's why this one stood out to me is because i feel like it's different than all the other sections yeah i'll let me let me try this and you tell me so it to me it seems the same here's why first of all if if i understand new testament theology at all no one can make you sin in a way that would cause it to be to your account, so to speak. Like if I force you to do something, it's my, it, me, mm -hmm. I'm being aimed at. I did it. I'm the one who's wrong because I'm forcing you to do something wrong, you know? Yeah. So if I understand right from the context, this is not saying that this wife who gets put away by her husband, because we know also from the culture, cultural historical context, it was not really up to the woman. The men here had the power mm -hmm. culturally, and so they're they're the ones who are being addressed. If you notice that, whoever divorces his wife, mm -hmm. let him give her. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. I, if in my estimation, just judging from the context here, this is this charge is being laid at the feet of men who put their wives away except because they didn't want to be married to them, except on the grounds of sexual immorality. If I understand right, hmm. it's not saying this lady is sinning. It's saying if you think you were doing anything else except for causing someone else against their will to fall because you're putting them away from you, you're wrong. You haven't cleaned it up or taken care of it because you gave this certificate of divorce. You are, you're still involving yourself in sin and destruction and you're destroying someone else as well or at least or at least contributing to it but i don't see the wife here being charged with anything because then it's still the males who are being addressed and says whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery like it's broken and you're causing it to go on being broken now i could be wrong I, i'm at, i'm i'm putting that out there i don't that's the way it seems to me hmm. but because it's interesting too and in the one on lust that men are addressed. 
because those were the ones who, you know, he's talking to his disciples and the men having the power to do this, you know, to go ahead and, and look at women with lustful intent, but to say, I'm fine because I haven't touched her. I haven't committed adultery. It's not because women don't deal with lust. It's not because they can't be, have, you know, it's not because women don't deal with lust, but in the context of this, Jesus is, uh, is addressing these men in this culture who were in charge, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense with the uh, context of the time. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the first one is in my, from what I'm seeing here, this is not, nothing in this context makes me feel any good about going about backing this off at all. Cause I want to, cause I know people in various situations. So I want to go and I'm sure Jesus meant something like, it's really okay, but it, it doesn't look okay, but it really is okay. But you know, I'm feeling that inside, like I want to do that. Mm -hmm. But I would say that goes against the entire context of everything that's being said here. You know, Jesus is moving in the direction of you guys think if you handle the outward manifestations of sin and you got this law against, as long as you clear yourself on this law, then everything that goes on in your heart is okay. And like the entire context to me is saying the opposite. Like Jesus is here going, forget the outside i'm i'm in your heart and i know who you are <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so i just don't see any future in, in going so i'm sure there's some way where this is still just okay you know but it, what i do see is this is matthew 5 mm-hmm. and so we'll see throughout the gospels and especially you know jesus died to give us forgiveness for sin and deliverance from its power. So I do think that this is a diagnosis, but I don't think it's the last word. Like I think that all of these things, oaths, divorce, lust. So let me, I'll use lust as a good example because it comes up all the time in, in pastoral ministry and when you're trying to help people. If Jesus is saying that every time you look at a woman with lustful intent, you have committed adultery full stop, then we're just all doomed, you know? Yeah. That's it. As far as I can understand. And then he goes on from there. I mean, if every time you swore that you're going to do something and didn't do it, it was from the evil one. Think about how often you speak on behalf of the devil then. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if it's, if every time you've gone in for eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, you are evil. So basically if you read all this as is full stop, we're done. That's what I would say. I'm, I'm done. I'm doomed. I don't have any hope. There's no grace for me. Um, what am I supposed to do? My heart is bad. You know, what should I do? I don't know what else to say. I mean, every time I've hated my brother, I guess I should go turn myself into the police. I've, I'm a, I'm a mass murderer. You know, that's the honest truth. That's, you know, and so in this context, I think what Jesus is laying down is a diagnosis of how lost people are in their hearts and the fact that the law of being on the outside has not, has not, and will not take care of it. And so I think it's one of those things that goes on. Um, I think Jesus means to push us on. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I think we should, you know, we don't have time on the show, but I think we should keep reading, you know, to understand. 
So when you, so in other words, if you find yourself at home right now, you're like, dude, you know what? I've been, I'm married for the third time. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, mm-hmm. it's a good question. But why would we only ask that one? You know, it's like, Hey dude, you've been married for the third time. Like, what are you going to do? Why aren't we all going? How many times have I looked after a woman? How many times have I hated my brother or sister? How, you know, how many times have I sworn and, and not carried through with my word? How many times have I wanted an eye for an eye? How many times have I hated my enemy instead of loving them? Yeah. Like, why aren't we asking those too? You know, like, yeah, that definitely puts it in perspective. I, so I do, I think the first half is, I think when you read that, it's going to hurt a lot of us. When we read the one on divorce, I think there's a lot of people out there who would be hurt. I'm like, man, I'm hurt. This is hurting me. This is hard. I feel condemned in some ways also i'm like well i didn't really understand what i was doing back then or you know whatever the many things that you and i've heard throughout our lives but why wouldn't we shouldn't we all feel that way shouldn't we all be like dude i am in a mess i'm a mess man you know yeah okay so there's just so much more we could say now what do you and what do you think aaron you got more um no that that does make sense all that makes sense One other thing that I think makes that one stand out more is that all the other ones would be like something that you do and it passes that day. But when you marry someone who has been married before, you are married to them for as long as that marriage. Oh, yeah. And I think I think the only reason why we think some of them will pass that day is because we're not hearing it. So, for instance, in the Old Testament law, committing adultery was a stone offense. Mm hmm. You know, for whoever did it, husband, wife, whoever cheated on their spouse was to be stoned to death. So when you look after a woman to lust after her and commit adultery in your heart with her, that it shouldn't be something that happens and then passes on. And then here it says here in anger, uh, I say to you, verse 22, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, full stop. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, end of story. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. End of story. Yeah. So it seems like all of them lead to death. And damnation. And like they should. Like Jesus is not apologizing. It sounds to me like he's diagnosing, you know, like here you guys are. Yeah. And as I read it, it's all too familiar. I don't I don't have any defense for myself when I'm done. It's like in my mind, I agree with everything he's saying. And in my heart, I just am like. I'm lost. I've, I, you know, I feel convicted and mm-hmm. defensive and bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to put the, kind of to put the, um, the cap on it, go down to verse 46. It says, um, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Full stop. Mm-hmm. So I, all I would say, you know, there's there's tons of what we could say, and obviously there's books written and all this and everything. But just trying to stick to the Crosspoint Scripture podcast type thing, I think from the um, overall context I think I see what Jesus is doing here. I'm not happy about it. I feel convicted, but I feel like maybe I need to be. 
and I'm ready for chapter six, you know, (laughs) like I can't say it's wrong. I can't see Jesus is wrong about me. And I can't deny that the picture he's painting here of a righteousness in my heart that exceeds that of the Pharisees sounds good and right. And like it should be, I'm into it. I'm, but, but I'm not equal to it. I'm not there, you know? So I'm wonder. it definitely does leave me wondering what else he's going to tell me. Yeah. So, um, I'm afraid we got to leave it there. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I think this is the opening salvo to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my, um, that's my opinion, but, um, it just opens up these questions of like, what do I do and where do I go? And I I do, I think it's meant to, and I think Jesus knew how to talk to people so that they were paying attention. And I think if we go on to read the rest, go on to six and seven, especially, and then go on and read the rest of Matthew, I think it might cause us to be a lot more grateful and have a deeper understanding of what it means that Jesus in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that no matter what situation we find ourselves in at this time, his his gospel and his help is being offered to us. But what I get from chapter five is if I thought I had some kind of a defense for myself or that I had a little rule that helped me be okay with whatever I've done or wherever I find myself in life, it's time to let that go. It's time to abandon that. Mm-hmm. But okay. All right, my friend. Hey, thank you for joining us again. Listen, next time, can you just bring an easy peasy one about, you know, I don't know, you know, why rams instead of lambs in Leviticus? Just something along those lines. All right. I'm in Leviticus right now, actually. Yes. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I love this, man. Aaron, I really appreciate you, man, because these are good. This is what we're doing right here is committed conversation on the Bible. You know, to me, it's not sparing anything, not just looking for soft pitches. So. I really appreciate you being willing to come on here and and Mm -hmm. ask this type of stuff. All right. So if you guys have any questions, you can always email me J S E R R a at the crosspoint.com. If you have some really, um, candy verses that are easy, you can also email them to me. No. And, um, if you have any really hard ones, go find Aaron and get them. (laughs) Okay. No. Um, we thank you guys for your honest and, uh, commitment to, uh, the scripture. If you heard anything in today's podcast, especially that you're like, man, 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 this is messing with me. I need help. Um, definitely email me. Definitely talk to me. Don't, don't feel left alone or, or condemned in any way. Just, you know, let's talk. Let's see where we're at. And then I would heavily encourage you as I always do, but I, I feel like this scripture Aaron brought today was so important because it so shows us that we need to turn the page, go to chapter six, go to seven, keep going. Don't stop reading until you have the whole story. You know, a lack of context can be deadly. And I think this one here is one that could be absolutely deadly to people and their faith and their walk with God if it's taken out of context. So that's all I got. I, hard, one of the hardest things for preachers to do, Aaron, is just let things go. Isn't that yeah. crazy? It's just hard to stop. Man. Yeah, that's understandable. So we're just going to call it a day. Thank you so much for listening, and I uh, hope you catch us next time. Bye-bye.